What is up, guys? Welcome back to the Mean Enough Podcast. This is the podcast where we talk about your favorite films and the deeper meaning within them. This week, we are talking about a character instead of a director or a film franchise, specifically the character in a live action form of Harley Quinzel, who has been around since Batman, the animated series. We're going to get into her live action interpretation, specifically by Margot Robbie, uh, Australian actress who got uh, a lot of popularity based off the Scorsese film Wolf of Wall Street. I'm pretty excited to get into this. Uh, this was your idea, Sabrina. So I'm so interested and I'm obviously going to toss it to you as well, RB3. Um, what are your what's your connection with this character? When were you first introduced to her? Uh, what does she mean to you? Yeah, I was first introduced in the comics. My dad was a huge DC Comics fan. Uh, and that's kind of the first time that I ever got the opportunity to really dive into her character. But she's just so fascinating to me. I love um, how she is one of like DC's most interesting and like prominent villains. Of course, she is known as like the Joker's girlfriend and stuff like that, but she is so much more. I love that uh, she's able to express her sexuality. I love that it's known um, from what I know in the animated series. I have not checked that out yet. Definitely plan on it. But also in so many different interpretations, including Birds of Prey, they reference the fact that she's bisexual. Um, I think that's really incredible and it helps normalize that idea. We had a really great conversation with Paul Ayama back in the day when we talked about Luca Guadagnino's films. Um, but you know, it's really important to see something like that. It's also important to see really like empowered, badass female characters. And I, and also know that they can be like vulnerable and flawed. And I feel like we get a lot of that from Harley Quinn, even if she is powerful, badass and crazy. Um, at the same time, she's able to be like flawed and vulnerable and she's a villain. So it kind of complicates that. And it adds this complex and compelling layer to kind of her situation and who she is as a character. What about you, RB3? What is your connection to this character? Um, well, yeah, I mean, my connection probably begins where I think uh, a lot of people's connection probably begins, is, and that's probably uh, Batman, the animated series back in the 90s. Um, you know, that's where that character really popped off. Um, and, you know, she was like the right-hand man, right-hand woman to Joker in, the, in, in that series. Um, but I think, you know, as she became like so much, po so much more popular throughout the DC canon, like they started adding her to comics. She's got her own solo story and spinoff stories and all these, um, and ultimately just a bunch of different team-ups. Like she's not just part of the Suicide Squad in the comics, like, you know, like y'all said, she's also the parts of Birds of Prey. She's in some iterations of like um, certain other teams in the DC universe. Um, so, you know, she's been like all around and rightfully so, because it's a really interesting backstory, you know, a woman who's manipulated by, most evil person in in the dc batman universe um you know what does that create what does that spawn for somebody like that so um i think it's something that fans especially because she's a victim of abuse too in a lot of cases especially in that original batman 90 series so um i think that affects a lot of people i think that made a lot of people connect to her um and seeing her overcome that seeing her emancipation of that and ultimately you know with no pun intended for birds of prey and uh with you know, seeing like the evolution of the, the character now being like her own star and like, you know, the new animated show. I, I'm the only one, I guess, of, of the panel who's seen the new animated show. So um, I got to say, like, you know, especially in vast comparison to what we saw her introduced and in, through those early comic books and through like the 90s series, 
um, it's such a vast improvement. You know, she's not like the meek side character. Hey, Mr. J, like anymore. Like it's literally all about her, what she wants to do. She's not like chained down by any kind of, um, you know, any kind of uh, guy or man or anything like that. And I, I like that they lean into that more. And I think that they incorporated a lot of elements that we see from the Margot Robbie character um, into that show too. So I really like that. I think it's dope. And I like that we're, we're heading in that direction with the Harley Quinn character. Yeah, it's interesting because obviously I grew up in the Batman animated series era, uh, which came out during the early 90s, I believe, which is my era of animated shows. It, it was the peak of, of basically animated comic book shows where they essentially said, we can take these comic book characters and put them in TV and introduce them to so many kids. That's where you got Batman, the animated series, Superman, the animated series, Justice League, Justice League Unlimited, which are considered to be some of the best shows ever of animated form uh, in any kind of property. But you also got the Marvel side with obviously X-Men, the animated series and Spider-Man, the animated series uh, on Fox Kids, which I remember watching religiously and also obviously all the Superman and Batman shows. So Harley Quinn has always been around me for sure. I I've never really connected to her in any way obviously because she wasn't really something that really stood out to me but it's interesting how she kind of transcended the comic book form um, into becoming kind of this cultural icon I, I really want to give credit though if, if we're being honest guys obviously all the credit goes to the creators of Harley Quinn who created Harley Quinn and who made her popular her voice her style um but the comics that kind of reinvigorated her kind of came in the 2010s, I want to say, right? Because that's when that's kind of what the Margot Robbie version was based off of. It wasn't based off the kind of like you said, RB3, like the heart, um, Joker's crazy girlfriend. Um, it was based more off like uh, I know there was a comic run. I, I believe it was uh, it's called Hot in the City is one of them. Uh, Harley Quinn Hot in the City. Uh, and there's another one that was a newer take on Harley. Uh, there's also the Batman Harley Quinn one that came out in 1999. Uh, but this one came out in 2013, Hot in the City did. Uh, and also, I want to give a shout out to um, Jimmy Palmiota, who did another take on her, which was a much more, like you said, uh, independent, more like a badass female character and less just like Joker cycle girlfriend. Uh, which is kind of how she started out as if we're being fair. Uh, but she developed and she changed and in certain runs made her into what we saw in 2016 Suicide Squad, which is where I want to go now. Uh, Harley became an icon overnight, guys, just off trailers. I don't know if you guys remember this, but back in the day, no TikTok, uh, just Twitter and Instagram and other stuff. Uh, and YouTube, but Harley became kind of like an icon based off Margot Robbie's interpretation of it. Uh, I kind of want to hear your take on that, Sabrina. And, and I know there's a lot of debate as far as like depiction of women and crazy character and, you know, the booty shot and everything that goes into that movie. Yeah. Um, but what did you feel about it? And why did it connect to so many, you know, girls or young women uh, pretty much worldwide. I, I even remember cosplays coming from South America and from Europe. And yeah. God, the car, the Harley cosplays were coming out of China. 2016 was crazy. Oh my crazy. God, it was crazy. 2016, was 2016 that was the most... Yeah popular Halloween costume for women yeah. was Harley Quinn. And I was actually Harley Quinn uh, for Halloween in 2015. And I can see if I could find like a photo of it or something like that. But um, when I was a senior in high school, 
only that Comic-Con trailer had released. And it was such a huge stir on the internet. I remember watching it dozens of times just to see how cool everything looked and how much I was anticipating this film. Um, so I literally looked at the trailer, kept pausing at certain times and like created an entire costume myself. Of course they had it for sale once the movie actually came out a year later and it became the most famous one. But I remember for a long time, or throughout that night, nobody knew who I was. And I kept having to explain that I'm Harley Quinn, but there was one guy that was dressed as a Joker that I randomly stumbled upon at the party. And like, he recognized it right away. And it was just, it was just genuinely really funny, but it's kind of crazy how to general audiences, this character was almost virtually unknown, but then yeah, Margot Robbie was able to step into this role, um, Suicide Squad, when that trailer dropped. And then when the film dropped, I think people just gravitated towards it because First of all, we never really get to see um, females step into a role like this. It's she's a villain, but she's so lovable and it like it's really enjoyable to watch her. And I credit a lot of that to Margot Robbie. I know she wasn't the first choice for the role. And I just find that to be so crazy. They offered the role to Emma Roberts. She turned it down for Scream Queens and then Margot Robbie stepped into it, because especially at this time, basically Margot had uh, Wolf of Wall Street was the most famous film that she had done. And she was very early on in her career. And she, I think, just kind of cemented herself into pop culture. I think when people think about the like late 2010s and Halloween costumes, because you still see it to this day, even the Birds of Prey Harley Quinn was a popular one. Um, but I think having this representation of just like a badass woman um, who isn't taking any shit. So even in those moments where she is objectified and it's kind of crazy how men don't pick up on it as much like general audience men they just don't pick up on like the booty shots and stuff like that as much as women do because that's something that we've seen in film forever look at like the way black widow was introduced in the marvel cinematic universe versus the way she's seen now it's very different but it was cool to see somebody like rb3 said earlier that was kind of like getting emancipated from all of this. And she was manipulated and she is vulnerable and she was a victim of like abuse. So with the backstory or without the backstory, I just find her to be such a fascinating character. Yeah, RB3, uh, what is your thoughts on what Margot Robbie did for the Harley Quinn character and kind of made her bigger than she honestly ever was in the comics probably? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think um, Margot Robbie added that extra flair to her that was, um, I think definitely, I think she, she added the extra flair, like the extra body language and the persona that made Harley Quinn who she is. And I also want to give a shout out to whoever voiced Harley Quinn in the original anime series in the 90s too, because that also is a big part of that as well. Tara Strong, was Tara Strong? No, she does the new one, right? Tara Strong does the new one, yeah. Okay, so I was trying to- Maybe like, she did the old one too. I think she did the old one, yeah. I thought she did the old one. I thought she did. I think she, she did, did. yeah. Um, shout out to Tara Strong. She, to me, is just as part, just as much help built that character. Just as um, much hardly and, as Margot. Yes, 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 absolutely. Um, but that being said though, yeah, it was obviously Margot Robbie's portrayal that really brought like that character to the forefront. I think it's largely because of the, the, the personality, um, the humanity, I think Margot Robbie, and we see it in Wolf of Wall Street, she plays like, she can do somebody who's really gorgeous and beautiful and, you know, really subjected to the male gaze, but also still have like heart and humanity and like genuinely like 
range of emotions. Like we see, especially in the first Suicide Squad movie, we see Harley get angry. We see her get mad. We see her get sad. We see her be disappointed. Like we see the Joker break her heart multiple times throughout that film. So you really, you really latch onto that. And I think that's something that a lot of women um, can relate to, like the toxic, you know, dating the toxic dude who is, you know, just total trash and uh, always stands you up and, you know, like, mistreats you and literally abuses you and, you know, changes, you know, like Harley literally changes her whole identity. She was a, she was Harley, she was Harleen Quinzel uh, before she knew Joker. She was a mastermind, super smart um, philosopher uh, or psychiatrist um, who ends up, uh, you know, being manipulated by this dude. So um, it's really sad to see, but, you know, that's, but I think that's also what makes her character so much more sympathetic too. And, and I think now that, you know, now that her intelligence is kind of aligning more for independence, um, it's just, uh, I think it's really dope, you know? Yeah, and to piggyback off of that really quick, like it is some, it is very important to see characters that go through something like this, um, that a lot of like women and people do throughout the world and see that they can still be strong, even though they had been like abused or manipulated. It is really empowering on that angle to see a character like that. Uh, I'm, I'm curious though, maybe it's just because in the first Suicide Squad, we, we don't necessarily see that. We see her kind of obsess over the Joker and kind of get back to the Joker and kind of become her whole identity based off the Joker, uh, at least in the first one, right? And also based off the trailer, because I know the trailer is kind of what inspired this love of Harley for so many uh, girls and young women across the world. But I still feel like it's, I, I don't know, because I'm not a woman, so I can't say. So I want to ask you, Sabrina, what, what is the line or what is the, I just, I don't know how to find it where you see the trailer and you see Harley changing in the middle of the trailer uh, and all the guys going like, oh, look at Harley. Damn, look at that. And she's like getting up all slow. That's in the trailer. Yeah. Um, and, and, pe and people took that as like, yo, that's my girl. That's a badass. Instead of being like, oh, really, we're doing this? Uh, I'm, obviously, there was a lot of people who did say that, but I, I just I'm curious where the line between female empowerment and female mm -hmm. gaze or male gaze, I'm sorry, comes into play. Where is that drawn? Well, I think we're seeing it perfectly now um, with what we're doing with the or what they're doing with the character. I think from Birds of Prey, having a woman uh, direct that film and write that film and like really understand what it what it should be like it's so hard to fall into and i mentioned the same thing with black widow women still were interested in black widow and were so happy to see a female in the marvel cinematic universe that was badass but it was the same thing people kept thinking she was hot they definitely were sexualizing her so that's the thing where we can still celebrate the fact that we're seeing some of these characters but criticize the like how they're portraying it at certain times so there's moments in the first Suicide Squad that you see who Harley is because she does have this like she does have this like heart of gold and as we're introduced to her right at the beginning they have of course like the music video-esque like montage type of thing where it shows her experiences with Joker and how she 
um, like helped him out and committed crime and also her before everything that happened showing all of that it just adds more layers to it so the trailer it makes it intriguing because you're happy to see characters like this but then when you actually are able to dive into the backstory a little bit more and do your own research I feel like that's what really stood out to a lot of women when you're able to see clips or read about certain comic book runs even if you're not reading the comic books and just see what this character represents so yes in the first Suicide Squad in 2016 Suicide Squad I don't think they did the best job. There's moments, but still at the same point, like she's definitely like sexualized by everyone around her constantly. Um, so that the balance is showing how strong and vulnerable and great this character could be. But at the same time, making sure that you're not doing like shots of like her ass and stuff. There's a way to portray that people are hot and that they're like intriguing and other people are enticed by seeing them without over-sexualizing them. There's ways yeah. to do that. And they've done a good job of it lately. And this, and I think, you know, filmmakers need to realize this too, is literally, um, it's literally an attack like on, on female, like, you know, independence and empowerment and stuff too. Like you're actually literally chopping off. You're literally saying that your frame, you're, you're chopping off the rest of her body. Like nothing else matters besides her butt yeah. in this particular moment, like that you're just, you know, attacking everything. So it's, uh, it's really, it's really crazy. So I think, and obviously male gaze is something that's like existed in cinema for like a long time. And that's something that we need to like overcome as a society. Um, and it's crazy to me that even in 2016, like this conversation wasn't like, I mean, I know the conversation was happening, but um, it's sad that it wasn't more prevalent and more like called out like back then too. But, you know, again, I think, you know, I think they, I think unfortunately Hollywood still has this like whole like dated belief system that we have to, show sex we have to show like nudity or have to show like some sort of suggestive women something to sell audiences or sell people and i think that's such a dated like weird philosophy i don't know why you're still stuck in that we saw it with wonder woman in uh the 2017 justice league we saw moments of that and she's literally more powerful than some of the other people surrounding her but we see her caught up in these situations and shots and moments that just like dehumanize. So that's where you need to find the right person that goes behind the lens. Cause even looking at something like Jennifer's body really quickly, um, this was written and directed by women, Diablo Cody and Karen Kusama and the marketing definitely stuck to like the male gaze. But if you actually watch the movie, it is 100% like the female gaze. We don't see like any necessary, like, or unnecessary, like nudity or anything like that. We never, they never like show off her body in a particular way. They do it in a more tasteful way if you actually watch the film and a more, a way that like continues and carries out the story, but it doesn't dehumanize or like make Jennifer any smaller or any less. And it doesn't boil her down to a certain thing. It does it towards the end, spoilers for Jennifer's body, but she starts to do it to herself once she sees herself as this vessel, because when she does die and needy stabs her she says my tit when she gets stabbed in the heart and then needy says no your heart and so like it shows how people looking at you that way could change the way that you see yourself and that's why it is very important like rb3 said to kind of tackle this issue and i feel like hollywood's getting a little bit better at it <laughs> there's I, a long I, ways to go and i feel like the best way to tackle it if we're being honest guys is to have more women in writers' rooms, yes. uh, more women behind the camera, True. more 
uh, women directing features that feature women leads, female leads, because it's an easier way to assess the situation in a, in a more tasteful way that allows them to say, no, 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 this is the correct way to do it. There's like a minor difference, but if, if it's so big, like when you see it or when you put it on screen, stuff that I won't understand, this, this female director will understand and she will do it right and I'll leave it in her hands and trust her to do that. Um, because right. Ellis it, Howard running in heels uh, in G.I. Joe, oh, Rise awful. of the Cobra. We have Scarlet with like perfectly curled, blown out hair 24 seven. I'm like, she's supposed to be in the action with everybody else. It just completely belittles every single person that they show on screen that way. Yeah, it, it's a very it's actually uh, again, it, I always kind of rely on you, Sabrina, because I don't know. But it's it's always like a complex thing, because I remember taking a this is taking me back. I took a, a women's study course in college when I was in college, uh, as I think most of you guys did, too. Ooh, look at you, people. Mr. Progressive over uh, here taking women's <laughs> study. Didn't you guys wow. do that, too? Dang, it's, wow. it's not his story. It's her, her story. story. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you guys did that, well, too. I didn't, I didn't have to. Oh, I did. Uh, <laughs> and it was like, nah, not me. I'm already a woman. But but I got <laughs> I a lot of, this. it was like a very, the teacher was incredible where she had like a very open forum that she was very listening uh, and understanding. And, and she had an open forum and she kind of, you know, what is the strong woman, all this kind of stuff that was coming out during that time when I was in college, the strong woman thing kept getting thrown around a lot. Uh, and I was like, oh, you know, you know, not you don't have to show her butt. You don't have to sexualize her. And some girl got at my face and she was like, what are you talking? What's wrong with that? What's wrong with her showing her butt? What's wrong with her strutting her stuff and being a boss ass bitch? And I'm like, oh, I, I don't <laughs> I don't know. I don't because I don't know. I, I just thought like I thought that was an issue. And apparently it's not an issue. And I'm just like. <laughs> it's, uh, it's like the conversation what? like that happens around like WAP where everybody was so mad about WAP, the Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion song, but it's them taking control of their own bodies. It's where we have the the uh, like ability to display our sexuality the way we want to, but not be subjected to the male gaze and be only known by our sexuality. I could be comfortable with my body and comfortable with myself and wear whatever I want, but the second somebody dehumanizes me or belittles me because of that reason, that's when it's not okay. So there is that line and you're coming from, you're coming from such a heartfelt place and it's understandable. It's understandable, especially since you are so immersed in like the film world, you really do get that perspective of like, we should not be having ass shots of Wonder Woman. Like it just shouldn't happen. I, I, that's what I, and she got real mad at me when I was talking about like, yo, why she got to, why, why do we have to? Jennifer's body is the perfect example. Show everything. It and genuinely is. I would love to write a video essay on like subverting the male gaze. Yeah, I, absolutely. Because I do feel like it, it is an interesting conversation and, and you should definitely specifically hear the women's side to it, considering they're the ones who are in those shoes. Uh, I, I just feel like it's such an interesting, complex thing that even in retrospect, you can kind of look back even just like a look back and start to say movies that we used to criticize for being overly sexually powerful women. Now we can start to be like, well, maybe it actually was a powerful woman. Like maybe Celine, shout out to my girl, Celine. Um, one of my all timers watching that movie back in the day, it got a lot of hate for being like, well, why don't you go to wear a tight ass suit? And I was just like, I, I, don't, I don't know. I just didn't feel like that was part of the character. I just felt like she wanted to wear a tight ass suit. She's like a cool vampire girl, who cares? 
Um, <laughs> and, and now I can kind of look back at it and be like, yeah, she's still a badass. Like Selene is still one of the goats, in my opinion, when it comes to badass female characters of all time, when it comes to on screen in movies. I mean, uh, even though back in the day, like there was articles being written talking about how she was like unnecessarily tight ass suit. Why does it have to be a tight ass suit? But now those, some, some of those same people are writing articles saying actually, you know, she's a boss ass bitch and she can wear whatever yeah. she wants. And she's still killing werewolves with her guns in her hands. Like there's, there's a balance to everything for sure. And I do think the evolution of what we see with Harley Quinn in Suicide Squad versus Harley Quinn in The Suicide Squad is very different and it's very, very good. And I think it's a step in the right direction for a lot of female characters in the future, whether it's a superhero film or not. Yeah, let's talk about it. Let's talk about Birds of Prey. Uh, Birds of Prey is the next film, obviously directed by Kathy Yan, who is a woman, uh, clearly. Uh, so it is does, does get a better perspective as far as female characters inside the DC universe, considering it is called Birds of Prey and not uh, Harley Quinn the movie, even though they kind of tried to walk that back uh, once the movie came out. They're like, actually, it's Harley Quinn the movie. Because um, they went, they went, <laughs> Birds of Prey and the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn. And yes. then they went Birds of Prey and then they went Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey or something. Yeah, it was like Harley Quinn, Harley Quinn, the Birds of Prey or something like that. Uh, but the original this, title was great, by the way. The original title it was is, great. It is really great. I actually kind of like it. Uh, it's one of those things, though, where this movie got kind of mostly positive reviews, I will say that. But it definitely did get a little bit more of a conversation as far as the depiction of Harley uh, when it comes to what did we feel like. Like, I saw someone or a few people tweet out being like, yo, why does the movie have to start with Harley crying over the Joker? Uh, you know, what, why does that have to be the case? Why, why can't we get over this? And obviously, by the end of the movie, we do get over it. Um, but there's been a couple of, you know, conversations around it. And I'm so curious to hear yours, um, uh, Sabrina. What is your thoughts on the interpretation of Harley in this film or how she's how she's done in this movie, how she's portrayed? Mm -hmm. I recently watched this a second time. The first time I saw it was in theaters. I had absolutely no idea what to expect. I was really looking forward to it because, of course, Suicide Squad was a little bit of a letdown. It did give me like a sour taste going into this one. Um, I liked the movie fine. But upon a rewatch, I have a completely different perspective because one of my criticisms was the fact that it did just for wanting to be emancipated from the Joker. They mentioned the Joker all the time. But this was kind of that point of cutting him off from the character. And it does spend a lot of time because it's realistic. Um, of course, a lot of the ways that she's known is as Joker's girlfriend. So cutting these ties and spending that time to let her like grieve it and like think about the abuse and breakup because it is realistic. She's not going to just wake up one day and be like, all right, I'm good. I'm done. Like, let's move on. She she's human. <laughs> so she feels all these emotions. She's lets herself feel it. Even all these different things, like the interaction that she has when she goes out, her and her friends go to like a restaurant and she has a plate of drinks and they're joking about the fact that she's just going to get right back together with him, that they're not actually broken up. And she thinks she could stand alone without him and she can't. And then she ends up overhearing that conversation and like dropping her drinks and leaving. Um, we just have a lot of that and a lot of her kind of blossoming into her own person, getting this uh, apartment herself and having to deal with all the people that she's been able to kind of get around because of the Joker's kind of impression like on the city. Um, I really, really enjoyed a lot of aspects of this. Plus I like the original title 
but this isn't really a birds of prey movie we get a little bit of birds of prey but this is a harley quinn movie so that's why it does make sense to have harley quinn kind of be the center of it all um but i do like the fact that we have people and so many different actresses um like ella j basco who plays uh cassandra kane and all the other actors rosie perez of course mary elizabeth winstead we have all these amazing badass women even one that's like 13 or 14 years old and they're able to like come together and like kind of like defy all odds and be able to become their own person because all of them are in a similar situation even when we meet rosie perez at the police office like she's talented and she's intelligent but they're constantly like belittling her and like degrading her and things like that in different ways just saying like oh yeah you found oh yeah you found this and that and she's actually taking the time to solve this case and she's just getting pestered by another man that's in her in her unit it's it's just insane but i love the way that they tackled all of this and i love the friendship and the genuine chemistry that was made throughout the entire cast in this film and focusing on the fact that even in certain situations if we all stand together as women and then any men that want to like continue as allies like you can overcome all of this and you know and and it does highlight the internalized misogyny that we have in moments like her stumbling upon her friends like talking crap about her and all of that is very very impactful and really important to kind of like the core of this but i just love the way that they tackled harley in this even though i still think it maybe spent just a little bit too much time on the Joker. I do think it's important for her character development. Yeah, RB3, I want to hear your thoughts on this interpretation of Harley Quinn and the movie as a whole for you as well. Um, well, I, I enjoyed uh, Birds of Prey um, quite a bit. I thought it was, uh, thought it was good. Um, I think, you know, Harley's journey through this, like Sabrina said, they did spend a lot of time in the beginning re reharping on the joker and a lot i think they you know i think they did do it a lot i think they did that a lot to show for me personally i felt like they showed you how much she was obsessing over him and i mean i definitely get that after you know after a breakup i'll definitely be you know sheesh months let me stop um uh you know yeah it, it's tough you know what i mean it's tough so i get it um but i think it's you know it's by the end of the movie she does become her own person in fact I love the opening sequence where she just blows up the the whole chemical factory just because of of the the drinks happening. Um, you know, I, but I think you know eventually she is emancipated in her own way, and she finds uh, female companionship and, fem and other women friends. That I think that's a that's an important part of the story too, right? Um, I think you're right. They don't spend a, a lot of time establishing the rest of Birds of Prey, especially Rosie Perez. I just felt like they just kind of just threw her in there at the end. Like, why is she with these people? Um, but uh yeah i but i think it you know the action was creative in a lot of ways like i love the colors that kathy ann always used like the scene when um harley quinn was like shooting people down with the bean bags and it had all these colorful explosions um i also just think uh i also think the crime element of it was really fun too um you know everything with uh uh ewan mcgregor's um black mass um you know him being like the ultimate representation of, of of toxic masculinity toxic misogyny you know all wrapped into one perfect little bow there um i love seeing him die at the end of this movie um so i just like i like i liked a lot of uh i like a lot of elements of, of birds of prey but you know i do understand it's not like the you know the greatest or whatever so but i think a harley story i think it does a good job of you know, the first one it was so the in terms of this trilogy of harley quinn the first suicide squad very heavy joker presence and very heavy joker on the mind this one very 
little joke, almost no joker at all, but very heavy in the mind, you know, by the end of it. I think by the time we get to the third movie, you know, there's almost no mention of Joker at all, besides like that one lower line. So I like that. I like that evolution of, you know, seeing her phase out of it, you know, so. Yeah, and it's interesting to get her, sorry, her interactions with her, like you said, her female companions, her friends, uh, who end up becoming her friends by the end of the movie, at least. Uh, and it's one of those things where we get a different, diverse look into different type of women, type of women meaning personality type, right? They're not all Harley. We got a different, you know, Mary Elizabeth Winstead's character uh, of Huntress and also Dinah Lance, uh, who is Black Canary as well, who is a different type of women as well. And we do get the Black Mask type figure who is kind of like this, um, I, I don't know, t- toxic talent manager is how I saw him. He's kind of the creepy toxic talent guy who's like always on the lookout for like the next hot girl. Uh, it's, that's how he acted with, with Black Canary. And I thought that was like an interesting uh, perspective on the character. I think it definitely helped to have Ewan McGregor play that though. He's definitely, mm-hmm. he can sell that really well. Um, yeah, it's an interesting film for sure. It, it, I, I definitely felt like I, we reviewed it, Sabrina. Uh, as well. And I definitely felt like it was a bit a uneven. Very different perspective. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tell, tell me about it. I think just getting into that and seeing so much Joker, especially where we were in the DCEU and them getting away from Jared Leto's Joker, because we didn't talk about that when we were talking about Suicide Squad, but woof, Jared Leto's everything from his behind the scene antics to his in front of the camera antics, like everything I just find to be so insufferable. Um, and I know that there was a lot in Suicide Squad that was kind of going against the movie. The fact that David Ayer had to uh, write the script in like six weeks, the fact that there was a cut of two different types of films and they kind of mashed it together uh, into one. And just tonally, it didn't make sense. And I feel like for a second, that could have really damaged the character of Harley Quinn. And then we get this reinvigoration of it, but we can't just ignore the fact that we didn't see her, you know, like going through everything she did with the Joker in the first one, we have to address it. So it makes a lot more sense on a rewatch going through all that. Like RB3 said, breakups are hard, especially when it's somebody like the Joker who genuinely, as we mentioned, abused her and literally is like, is a violent human. And she was going through a lot of that like trauma and like, toxicity and so her breaking out of that and also just being able to be the character that she was us being able to have all these really funny moments that have nothing to do with like sexuality or whatever it's not flash falling on top of like wonder woman in in that weird sexual way it's her going to get an egg sandwich and then she's going through all of this stuff meeting a bunch of people that she's done dirty in the past and losing the egg sandwich and that being like the biggest heartbreak of her life at that moment. I mean, it's just genuinely really funny. That thing funny. looked good though. That thing it did look so good. good. I was it like, looks- yo. That was tragic. I was like, oh. I was no. like, that might be I'll the be- best looking food I've seen on screen. When you're hungover and you're going to get an egg sandwich. Egg Gee, sandwich, egg burritos. That? Have you, you, those breakfast burritos? Oh, yeah, breakfast burritos. Yeah. No, no, no me venga con eso. It's too good. I felt it. I felt that scene more than it is. <laughs> and that's and that's the thing. It is so funny how dramatic and elevated they're making something like that because yeah. this is we are living in this like like hyper like colored world like RB3 said um with like the bean bags at that one scene at the police station. It's yeah. all this stuff just like completely elevated and it's genuinely a lot of fun. So it was able like we're able to get this like superhero film 
focusing on women, awesome women, every single one of them, even if they didn't flesh every single person out as much as I would like to have seen, um, we were able to see so many cool different facets of different kind of women. Rosie Perez being like a badass detective. And then um, like uh, Black Canary being great. And like the hunter is going through something very traumatic when she was a child and getting revenge on that. And also being unsure of herself at the same time. Cause she's like, they call me. And she was going through all of that. She's practicing all these things in the mirror and it's just ridiculous. And we're able to see people that aren't perfect and they make mistakes. Um, it's just genuinely a lot of fun. So on the rewatch, all of this was a lot better because I came in expecting a birds of prey movie and I hated how much time was spent with the Joker, but on a rewatch that's completely out of my mind. Um, and I loved it so much more. I, I also just wanted to say one more thing too. Um, I think, um, I like the, the, the influences that were like clearly prevalent in this movie as well. Like I love the seventies, like aesthetic they use even busting down into that dance number. Um, or that musical number in the middle when Holly Quinn's getting tortured. Um, I love the crazy camera moves, especially when um, she hops on um, that one dude and like uh, hops on his legs um, <laughs> when they're in the club yeah. early on. Um, I also think uh, the use of voiceover is very reminiscent of like those old 70s crimes movies too. So they did a good job sprinkling in like the kind of cinematic aspects of it. And you're right, going back to um, the first uh, Suicide Squad, whereas that one was like not well directed or well written, or you know, you could tell it was like mis um, mis edited, you know, very mis edited. Um, but you know, I think if there's you look underneath the editing, there's probably not as much good material there either per, for me, in my opinion. Um, but I think for this one, I think the material for this movie is definitely there, everything's there. I think it's just the uh, I think. At least I think what holds a lot of people back is the fact that the movie's confused as to whether it wants to be a full Harley Quinn movie or Harley Quinn plus Birds of Prey. Because I feel like the Birds of Prey thing happens so quick, you're just like, ah, okay. Yeah. Um, but I also, I just want to shout out uh, Kathy Ann too. This is literally her second movie ever. Um, and that's just crazy that your second movie ever is a, is a, is a, is a, is a blockbuster this scale. She used to be a journalist for the Wall Street Journal too. Um, and also... Um, she's going to be directing an episode of Succession, so uh, we got to look forward to that in season three. Let's go. Does she have an upcoming feature, RB3? Do you know offhand? Um, it looks like she's doing an, uh, a feature based on a short story, based on a short story, The Freshening. It looks like it's going to be another independent thing, okay. and it looks like she doesn't really have too much interest doing another blockbuster. That's yeah, I, I'm definitely curious about that because there's always a conversation. We just had it, uh, you know, a little bit ago with our first cut live talking about you know so many people are like oh well there she goes she can't do another movie again because she the movie didn't make as much money in the box office and it's like this weird thing that studios have when it when it comes to numbers and all this crap that eventually you're gonna have to be like you know what nah we we, we have to trust our talent and, and trust what what they can do yeah there's so. nothing listed on imdb currently but it says yeah. that uh that her next film, or at least according to indiewire her next film is based on the short uh, story the the freshening so interesting uh already guys we're gonna go to break and right after the break we're gonna be talking about harley quinn in the new the suicide squad movie uh that has just come out over last week so be tuned for that stay tuned this ain't funny so don't you dare laugh with the four fifth divide you in half you getting at me equals a club half you do the math take you out the equation this ain't funny so don't you dare 
Did you watch First Cut Live this week? Well, the crew gave a full spoiler review of the Suicide Squad, as well as discussed its disappointing box office performance. Here's a look. Enjoy. So it's, I think it's a mix of a lot of different things, but hopefully, because like RB3 said, I know we're going to get to our review, but this movie is actually good and entertaining and w steps above of like the last film. Yeah. But if I called my sister or I called one of my friends or whatever that have seen those, that have seen Birds of Prey, that have seen all the other ones, and I was just like, oh, you want to check this out? They probably would have no idea. Just like the name James Gunn won't get them excited because they don't know who James Gunn is. They've seen his movies, but they don't know and they're not aware of that. They don't know that it's a pivot. I feel like this is one of those things that a conversation might keep this film afloat, but I wouldn't have expected it to go crazy at the box office. Um, for many different reasons, not just COVID. Come along, children. Now we're going to have a little music. What is up, guys? We are back talking about Harley Quinn, the character in live action films. The reason why we're doing this, guys, is because the new Suicide Squad movie is now on HBO Max, and we have Harley Quinn in that movie. Uh, she's one of the first members of the first squad. Amanda Waller threw her under the bus by putting her in the first squad instead of the second squad. Uh, you guys can read into that whatever you want, but... Uh, I'm curious, Sabrina, there's been a lot of conversation specifically around one scene when it comes to Harley's depiction in this new movie. Everything else seems to be pretty much just Harley being Harley. But what did you think of Harley Quinn's version, James Gunn's version of Harley Quinn in the new Suicide Squad movie? Uh, I really enjoyed it. Of course, this is a little bit different because um, we had her in the other Suicide Squad movie, which was a team up. And then she was basically the sole focus of Birds of Prey. But this was the first time I'd seen her that I really enjoyed it right off the bat. I thought it was, she was a perfect addition to the story. She was a complete like team player. As much as they highlighted her, they highlighted everybody else. And also we have a different level of connection that she has with everybody that we didn't get to see before. Like even when she sees Rick Flagg, um, when they're about to go save her and she saved herself. That's awesome like i love to see that i love the fact that they were going to go get her but she completely already did this herself she's shackled up mm -hmm. and she's able to because of course in the first suicide squad we saw her doing like acrobatics with like the ribbon and stuff so she's able to do that on her own get through all of this completely by herself and then meet them up outside and then she also like embraces rick flag with a hug she has very chummy uh chemistry with captain boomerang who she also references in birds of prey with the wanted poster it's just a lot of stuff that I really enjoy. And it also is like Harley Quinn that is free of, a, not free of it, but not as weighed down by her past and by her trauma. You know, like, of course that stuff is always going to stick with you, but we don't really get to see any shades of that throughout this film. She is really funny. She's compassionate to her like fellow like teammates uh, along on all this, even the conversation with like Milton. I know we talked about that on first cut live, uh, but when he dies and then polka dot man is like really beaten up about it. And then she's just like, Oh, like, who is he? And it's just like this overdrawn out conversation that I think works really, really well. I like tonally um, with Kathy Ann did with birds of prey and going off of that, even just from the fashion is worlds better um, when we're talking about male gaze and how you view women, just through her actions and her fashion, everything, I think this is probably one of the best we've ever seen. This is the best we've ever seen from Harley Quinn in terms of a team up film.
compared to the first Suicide Squad. Uh, RB3, what did you think, man? Specifically, let's get to that scene. Uh, I, I keep teasing it, but let's talk about the Harley scene. Obviously, the breakout scene is part of it, but it starts with uh, the Corto Maltese Presidente oh, trying yeah. to, to, to court her, mm -hmm. to yeah. court tour her. Corto Maltese Corto. <laughs> uh, I see what um, you did there. See what you did there. Uh, that's terrible. Uh, let me know what you think. What you think of that, man? I, I, obviously, it's like a like an ethereal, out of world kind of like in Harley's mind kind of scene. Yeah, yeah, no, of course. I mean, it's obviously like very subjective. I like how they weren't afraid to play with like the subjectivity of Harley's mind throughout the entire movie. Even the part where she um, is escaping, and you see like the flowers and all the stuff and uh, the, the animated cartoons um, when like the violence is happening, uh, they, they're not afraid to give you what's going on inside of her mind, like externally. So I think that's dope. Um, I, I, I think it was a really great scene. I, I kind of saw that it was going to lead to somewhere not good. I mean, romance just doesn't happen that easy in, in movies, especially in superhero movies. Um, so I knew it wasn't going to go well. Um, but, uh, yeah, soon I just like that. You know, she completely has like an anti stance against bad guys now, against being with bad dudes. You know, she's like, as soon as I see a red flag, she's shooting. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I appreciate that. I admire that. Um, I think the, the romantic buildup was fine, but I think the tear down and the, and the subversion, the subversion of expectations was even better. So, mm -hmm. I dug it. I kind of like too that the guy was kind of sincere, right? I I, I like that it wasn't because I, I kept waiting because part of me was like, oh, it's gonna be like he's like, ha ha, just kidding, and starts right. like electrocuting her, or torturing mm -hmm. her, or some yeah. crap because it's some commentary on how these guys are evil and all that. And mm -hmm. I I because I, I mean he's supposed to be evil, so I, I really did feel like he was gonna unmask eventually and be like, it's a trick to torture you. Um, mm. but he was sincere. He was genuinely like, yo, this is Harley Quinn. Yo, this is wild. <laughs> yeah. But the and, fact that she still denied him was still the point of that. And, and, and granted, you know, he has terrible, like, reasonings for what he wants to do with Star Row yeah. and everything like that. But relatively speaking, his plans weren't as worse weren't as bad as like the general's plan. The general. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, the point, is, right? Which is kind of funny. Like, it's so yeah. funny that like he was already terrible. She shoots him, and then he, we get stuck with somebody way worse. Like yeah, that's really kind of. I thought that was the point of the scene too, was to show like, oh no, now the general is the president, and it's, he's like he's even worse, mm -hmm. uh, and he's not as like you know like he's romantic. Said, romantic. Yeah, mm -hmm. he's definitely much more of like I'm just gonna straight up torture her forever uh, until she cracks. Uh, yeah, I, I just thought that was an, an interesting way. I, I enjoyed Harley in this movie in the sense of like she's Harley. Uh, I already mentioned before to you guys my love of her uh, taking on the mantle of the javelin. I thought that was kind of I thought that was kind of cool. I don't know. I just thought that was funny, even though she kind of broke yeah. it with a joke and slapping his cheek. Uh, but to be fair, I thought the same as Harley in that moment uh, when he's like, "Carry this for," and I was like, "For who?" And then she says, "For who?" And I was like, "Ah, see, me and you, Harley, we're <laughs> on the same page." Um, but uh, I, I did feel like that came in clutch and it came in handy and it kind of showed her. It showed her heart, right, Sabrina? Like her interaction with Javelin. I keep going back to Javelin, but even in the helicopter, when she's like, oh my God, I like your accent. And he's like, of course you like my accent. Uh, I just thought it was like a cool little thing to show that she's friendly, that she's not always going to slit your throat. Like if you're friendly to her, she's, she'll be friendly to you. And I think you. Birds of Prey is kind of what got her to this point where she's able to do that because she was able to team up with other people when she didn't trust anyone because everybody was out to get her. And the person that she did care about 
was abusive and like psychologically tormenting her all the time and physically tormenting her as we saw in in first suicide squad um but the scene you were referencing earlier when she kills him it's just really funny like she's fighting like violence with more violence and uh he's talking about all these things he's gonna do and then she shoots him dead and she has this monologue saying like you know like when you date bad guys these red flags it comes up all the time and she says something like they slash your tires kill your dogs and the way that she delivers this margot robbie perfectly embodies this character so well because she's able to mix the sincerity but also just like the genuine like chaos that is harley's mind um it is so funny because yeah she's like they slash your tires and kill your dogs as if it's on the same level and then she also says like and tell you that the music you like like isn't good music and whatever and then she ends it by saying something like um all of that like tears you apart after a while and it's really emotional but at the same time genuinely funny and it really like shows the way that she thinks and acts and it just gives you a better glimpse into harley and kind of like how much she has evolved from the first time that we met her to now yeah i think oh yeah. sorry Go ahead. oh no no i was gonna say uh yeah i think i think i think 100 the same i think um in that moment when you know i think it shows her personality that she's still ready to fall in love she still loves to she will still love to be in love with somebody but um she just she can't because of the trauma that she's been through with with joker and um and it's funny because uh i, I don't know i'm i'm, I'm sure y'all have noticed the uh, first suicide squad she had a bat you know tiny bat um the birds of prey she had the big hammer which is you know in line with like her mm -hmm. traditional costume um the third one she gets this giant javelin <laughs> so it's like literally every movie is just like getting subsequently bigger and bigger and bigger for her like whatever her side thing is i'm wondering like I the next it. thing they're just gonna give her like a the rocket or something like i don't know what's going well, on well she did have a, a rocket launcher in the in the first scene yeah, oh, yeah. First scene, oh, yeah. she <laughs> used a rocket launcher but you're right she does have like an object that's like like a hand-to-hand -hand combat thing right mm -hmm. like a hammer a bat a javelin those are all like hand-to-hand -hand combat which i think is cool because it adds to the idea of like her her use of being in the suicide squad and not just being like the crazy girl um she's actually like you know a, a, a killer like she's actually an assassin essentially with her skills uh which is why it worked well with the javelin uh and the fact that she kind of does save the day at the end uh with What's sorrow yeah. yeah exactly it came in handy uh but the fact that harley is the one who did it as well is definitely uh, an interesting concept for sure how do you feel about how do you feel about criticisms i've heard a few uh about how that 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 scene is disconnected from the harley we have before and harley putting on the dress and being flattered in the very beginning is like against her character. Uh, and Harley would never do that because she would immediately notice the red flags before and she would be like, uh-uh, I'm Harley and I'm not going to be your princess. But the fact that she's kind of enchanted at first. I, it's like, I think she was, but I also don't think she was really. I think it's kind of goes to what RB3 said earlier where she's like the possibility she like opens up the idea to, but also at the same time she was in a hole and they gave her a dress and they said, put on this dress, get ready. You're going to eat some good food, uh, chill with some birds. Like who would not say no to that? You know, like she's evil, but not necessarily like as evil as this person is. He is too. She's just like entertaining the idea. It's better than sitting in a hole. And then the second she got everything she needed, she was like, all right, you know what? Actually I'm out. I'm, I'm not going through with any of this. And I don't even think she thought about this, um, 
for an actual second. I didn't think she took that all like very seriously. I think she was just flattered by everything, but I think that's fun. If someone offered you good food, gave you a pretty dress, like you'd hang out for a second. You'd hang out with some birds. Yeah. I also feel like that's part of her yeah. character, right? At least that's just me. Like even the, the first scene when I, when I mentioned with Javelin, her just talking to different dudes and be like, I like your accent. Oh, oh, look at me. I'm a pretty, like, I felt like that's kind of herself. She's not supposed to be like Amanda Waller, like stern, like, what are you doing? Yeah, I'm no, here for business. Kind of, like she's supposed to be like, it's kind of like kind everything of crazy. is crazy. It's like almost like everything is so theatrical and like, you know, yeah. so they gave her this dress. She has all those moments. Like RB3 talked about the reference where she, uh, in Birds of Prey, she's wearing the pink dress and it's like a uh, gentleman prefer blondes, like the Marilyn Monroe scene when she's getting uh, tortured by them. Mm. That kind of stuff. It's always just so theatrical, so over the top. Even like, like RB3 said earlier too, with the flowers and all of that. So yeah, she got this dress. She got dressed up. Clearly this is something that's in her mind with like this Marilyn Monroe-esque thing. And it's always when you're a kid, people talk about like these fairy tales and it's always like this guy comes to save this like woman and then she's a princess, but it completely subverts that because for, if she went through with it, that would be a completely different conversation. I feel like, but I think it is more so played off with the fact that she's not going to go through with it. And that's what makes it powerful at the end of the day again. And she's able to be vulnerable with that monologue that I talked about before um, and still have control of herself. Um, I think it's someone seeking her out she's not doing it. She's flattered by the fact that he wants to like propose to her and stuff. Um, but she's still not going to go through with it. Yeah, I, I think it worked for sure. And even though it's just a short scene, it definitely worked for her character, given her, given a Harley moment. It's funny because we're talking about her Harley moment. I think she's one of the few people in the entire movie that has their own scene, maybe besides Ratcatcher, who has her own scene as well, even though it's much shorter. Uh, because it is Harley Quinn and because it is Margot Robbie, what are the biggest selling points of this entire film and this entire franchise of the Suicide Squad? Um, the idea that Harley uh, is like the biggest character in the movie, like really genuinely, like she, I don't think there's anyone, but maybe Amanda Waller, but I think Harley's bigger than Amanda Waller. Yeah. Uh, and it's one of those things where it's like, I saw a lot of reviews talking about this new movie where they said, they definitely felt like everyone could die at any, any given point, except hard. <laughs> they're like, oh, Margot Robbie, she, she ain't gonna die. She's making us money. I really uh, think she's like happen. the most, cause there's so much changing in the DCEU. Of course, we're not gonna, we might see like Ben Affleck's Batman and like the flash and different things like that. But a lot of stuff is very uncertain and up in the air on who we're gonna see in the future. One thing is cemented. It was cemented before this film came out. It's cemented afterwards. I think we are always going to see Harley Quinn. I think she's genuinely the most popular and relevant character that they have in the DCEU. Yeah, speaking of cemented, uh, Gal Gadot, Margot Robbie, cemented, right? I, at least I feel it doesn't Just necessarily mean, doesn't necessarily yeah. mean we'll see more movies of them, uh, but they're cemented as far as like, if there will be, it's gonna be yeah. them. Jason Momoa is another one. Who else? Because I think Cavill, who knows? Maybe, Affleck maybe is out. Zachary Levi, because they are doing the sequel. So we're going to see Zachary more from Levi, him. that's an interesting one. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's definitely on. on yeah. Other than that, I feel well. like everybody else is kind of in a limbo right now, and we'll see. Yeah. Ezra, who yeah. knows? Uh, who knows what's going to happen in his movie? Uh, maybe <laughs> he'll go back in time and get replaced by a variant of the Flash. It's gonna be Grant Gustin. <laughs> it's a new character. It's Grant a new Gustin. actor. 
say get Grant Gustin, Grant Gustin right from the TV show. New chance. actor. It's not. It's not freaking as well. I, that's the actor. thing. I'm like at this point with the DCEU because there is that conversation of like what what are they going to do in the future? What are they going to do going forward? I think su- the Suicide Squad kind of showed that idea of like you could do something really fun and interesting and people are going to love it. I don't know the Rotten Tomato scores of every single DCEU movie, but this one has a ridiculously high one. It is a very, very high score compared to a lot of the other films that I do know about. And so like, if this formula is working, especially for something like Suicide Squad, where it's like, yeah, you can have this ridiculous, like gory fun. And I know we talked about that in First Cut Live and how you said like, when people were tweeting that, it's kind of like, just because it's gory and all of this stuff doesn't mean it's fun, but they were able to work it very well. And we all agree on that for this, uh, for this film. So now they have something to kind of go forward with same thing with Shazam. So it's kind of like balancing out all these tones and ideas together and knowing that you can take some creative risks and have a high reward with it with this film. Yeah. I, I think the Marvel formula works for Marvel. Uh, doesn't necessarily need to be adopted for DC. I've been saying that forever, yeah. but um, it, I think they're starting to realize that now. Obviously, with the success, I mean, they just won an Oscar for freaking Joaquin Phoenix, so I'm pretty sure they're happy with their movies that aren't based yeah, the on Batman, this specific. The Batman's gonna be DC cool. timeline. Yeah, like Batman. Yeah, it could be incredible. Um, who knows? It's definitely now kind of all up in the air. It's always such a big question mark because we do feel the residue. Uh, at least some people do when it comes to the, the Justice League we got in theaters, the Suicide Squad we got in theaters, the potential of a Snyder cut, him being so vocal, talking about Warner Brothers being so involved. And obviously everything that Zach has said has been horrific. Uh, everything that uh, Ray Fisher has said mm-hmm. about his treatment has been horrific. Uh, Gal Gadot, uh, all these people who have literally come out and been like, no, Warner Brothers is on some bullshit. Yeah. Um, and, and finally, we do get a little bit of like breath of fresh air that is like, you know what, it's James Gunn, he's just cooking, let him cook, uh, let everyone come back and just have fun and we'll see what happens and not worry about like, what about the Rick Flag movie? And it's like, who knows, who cares? Uh, <laughs> if he doesn't want it, then it's not going to happen. And it's just one of those things where you don't have to worry about like, in Marvel, for example, you can't kill off Ant-Man, you can't freaking kill off the wasp or you know what i'm saying like it's it's a little bit more free in the dc and i think it should be more free i think that's what makes it different and they're making a lot of changes they have a lot of stuff going forward we know like the black adam movie different things like that shazam fury of the gods seems like it's going to introduce some new ideas some cool cast members rachel zegler being one of them um i'm excited to see where they go going forward because i have been very vocal on the fact that I'm not really impressed by a lot of the DCEU, even movies that I like the best out of them still are very mid. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't rewatch them too much. I literally think the suicide squad and recency bias, like aside, I really do think it's kind of cemented as my number one. And then I think birds of prey is my second favorite now. And this is completely new. Yeah. This is brand new, uh, to everything, but going through all of those, that's it. And then I like wonder woman. I like all of those films, but to me, they just seem like, you know, like very formulaic superhero films. I feel like with a lot of these interesting characters, cause DC has like the most famous and coolest slate of heroes and villains. It's just about how they utilize them. Yeah, DC's always had the best characters. Yeah. That's just 
fact, sorry to Spider-Man, who's probably up there, but besides Spider-Man, it's like, bro, you know, Superman and Batman already are the goats. And then you have all the other crazy characters that have come out in so many different animated shows and animated movies that have been so successful uh, to the point that they've made their own entire timeline and series. I know you guys haven't seen those animated movies, but I've seen them all uh, religiously and I love them. Uh, and it shows you like, hey, you can make some good stories with these characters. So, uh, all righty, guys, that is our episode on Harley Quinn. What a what a time. What a blast. Oh, that's it? Uh, uh, oh, unless okay. you guys, uh, there's oh, another well, movie? Is there another oh, no, Harley no. movie? Oh, no, no. <laughs> oh, you know, I do have something. I do have something else to say about Suicide Squad. But actually, oh, yeah, to do, for sure. It has, nothing, it has nothing to do with Harley. No, that's so okay. Talk just, about uh, it. Let's say it for another time. Let's say it for sure? another time. Another time. Another time. Yeah. What is it? Because it's going to start a whole conversation. I don't think is okay. like closely related to Harley Quinn. It's okay, not even closely related right? to Harley Quinn. And Sabrina, where can everyone? Find... No, I'm kidding. You can totally <laughs> go. You can say it. Bro. Okay, all right. I'll just say it. Um, one of the one of the things that I was kind of like a little bit like less happy with Suicide Squad about, and it's no fault. I guess maybe it's no fault of the Suicide Squad, the new one, the 2021 month. But um, I think it's a little bit partially because of. We've seen shows like The Boys, like Falcon and Winter Soldier, and um, you know a lot of new superhero properties kind of tackling this whole idea of American exceptionalism and kind of putting it all on one character. And The Boys is Homelander, and um, and Invincible is um, Agni is Agni Man, and Falcon and Winter Soldier is um, Fake Captain America. And this movie is definitely Peacemaker. Um, so I don't know how y'all feel about that. For me personally, I think maybe just because I watched. These three TV shows back to back, to me, it felt like, you know, uh, not back to back, but obviously like in close tandem with each other, all within 2020, 2021. Um, it, to me, it just feels like that, you know, that felt a little bit like less fresh as some other parts of the movie. But I don't know. I don't know if y'all had that same perspective or not. I, I think we don't I, I don't know if we got enough, if I'm being honest. I feel like it was enough in the sense of like we saw the flag versus peacemaker dynamic, which is supposed to show two sides of the same coin, uh, two American soldiers who who are both super white and super American, kind of like the Captain America thing, uh, but they both see things a different way considering they both love and respect and are super American and rah, rah, rah. But at the same time, flag is very much like this isn't right and this should be reported and peacemakers like, no, this should be covered up because that's what America does. Um, I, I thought that was handled really well. I'm curious about the show. If the show starts to be like, yo, Peacemaker's actually the shit, bro. Peacemaker's actually right. Like, I'm going to be like, oh, oh that's oh. a little sus. I feel like they're <laughs> definitely not going to do that because they def they hit us over the head with the fact that, like, this guy's not everything right from the beginning. Like, he's like, I don't care how many men, women, children I have to kill to get, like, I think he said, like, Piece. supposed to be bad yeah he's he's bad, bad. so bad. i think they're really going to heavily lean into that um like in the series and i feel like that's why we maybe didn't get as much in this uh in this film i think it had us give us a month enough to be intrigued about it but didn't give us everything because we are going to have a whole series so i feel like it still wants that to also be like fresh and add different like layers to the character but i don't think they're going to go like he's good or he's in the right because i think it'd be a very tough uh, thing to kind of get to that point. I think we're supposed to kind of hate him. The second we see that he's the one that survived, because I was like, who is it in the post credit scene? I was like, who made it out? I thought it was going to be Rick Flagg for a second. Um, and it was him. Disappointment. Yeah. Any final thoughts, RB3? Well, no, I mean, I just, 
Well, like, did y'all, I mean, I know we've seen Cap Falcon and Winter Soldier, but did y'all see, like, the boys or Invincible, or do y'all feel like there's some I of think, the characters? Yeah, I or... think we could do, I almost feel like we can do an entire episode on this, man. I, I feel like you're giving us cool ideas. Yeah. Uh, well, that's, that's why I said maybe I should. I was going to say, I, I don't know if this fits with the Harley show. I have. Yeah. I, I have. I've seen the first season of The Boys. You know my thoughts on The Boys. Yeah. Uh, or I don't know if you do. Um, we did a whole episode on it. Yeah, yeah, you do, you actually. an episode so you on The Boys? <laughs> Yeah, we did. First, yeah, when it came season. out, when it came out, yeah, right um, after it came out, we just binged it. Um, it. It's one of those things where I do feel like it does get muddy, and that's the word that I'm always gonna use. It doesn't necessarily mean it's on the creator or it's on the cor- correct uh, interpretation, because I do feel like there is a purpose when showing these anti, uh, you know, Superman kind of characters who represent all these American values and cultures and are actually frauds and villains. I, I do feel like the muddiness gets a little weird, but I, I feel like it's becoming so complex nowadays, but I do feel like we have to respect what the intention is and what the creators are saying, uh, which is very much like this isn't good on all accounts, on Omni-Man, on Homelander, and on U.S. Agent. Uh, well, U.S. Agent, uh, I feel like that one's a little yeah. sus. Uh, but everything else feels like they're saying this isn't good, uh, period. Um, even though... A lot of people who watch this, to be fair, are like, yo, that's my hero, America. And I'm just like, oh, that's what I was gonna say. I don't too. think like, that's the point. But uh, yeah, again, we could do an fans. episode of this. Seeing yeah, a lot of peacemaker fans out there right now. I don't know. Like, but that's what yeah. I'm saying. Like, you can't blame, I don't know if you can blame it on on gun or if you I'm can blame it on, on nobody. Yeah, but I'm, I'm just, just saying, saying that it was happened with US agent, bro. It ha- literally, there was a tweet about it that we were all we all yeah. saw. Uh, <laughs> So it's one of those things where it's like, that's like a whole nother podcast, bro. That's all I'm going to say. I love it's it. It's a whole nother podcast. This isn't Harley Quinn. I, and well, I haven't seen, I haven't seen the boys um, or Invincible or any of that. But yeah, from what I know about that, I did not see people supporting Peacemaker. I actually saw quite the opposite. I've seen a few. Really? I've seen that is few. actually yeah, surprising. It's always, you. It's you. always the boys. It's always boys and see. I don't like. Boys. I don't follow few. like men unless I know them. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. that's the thing. But like, again, <laughs> I feel like this could be a whole episode, man. We can get into it for sure. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that being said, series happens. That would be a cool thing to kind of sure. like talk about. Yeah. Or, but even now, I feel like it's relevant now. It's relevant mm-hmm. for sure. So that's a good, especially now with this movie. Um, alrighty guys, let's end it there considering we're doing a whole new podcast <laughs> and I was like, alright, I guess we're doing a new one uh, let's go to you Sabrina, where can everyone find you guys can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at SabrinaXMonica, also on Twitter at SabrinaOnFilm you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at DirectorRB3 I'm at Squad Leader Race, guys, you can follow us at First Cut Team. also leave us your comments and thoughts on the character of Harley Quinn, uh, let us know her favorite moments, your favorite interpretation maybe a comic book version, let us know in the comments down below, also subscribe if you haven't done so already, uh, for Meaning of Crew and the Meaning of Podcast we are peacing out, peace peace